Welcome to the DSEF. The Direct Selling Executives Forum was created to be a place where real direct selling executives and vendors in the space can come out and share solutions to challenges that face us all in the marketplace. Our guest today is going to be unpacking a topic and sharing their raw thoughts for you to learn from. All right, let's go meet our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Direct Selling Executives Forum's Open Forum. I am very excited for our guest that we're going to be having come out today. Before we welcome Justin and open up the call, I want to, as a recap, if you're new to the DSEF, this is a free forum for direct selling executives here in the space. If you have not yet asked for a request on LinkedIn, do go on LinkedIn for the Direct Selling Executives Forum and request to join to get access to more recordings and panels just like this as we unpack today. Today, we have a treat for you. If you haven't met Justin Prince yet, Justin has been in this space. I've, I've actually had the blessing of knowing Justin for over a decade in this space. I've watched him build five multi-million dollar businesses. He's literally generated over $2.5 billion in revenue for himself and the stakeholders in those businesses. He's followed by over a million people across social media for his tips and training and information that he shares and has accumulated over 200 million views online. So when we came into talking about topics for your field and we this idea of feeding the enemy of intentionality, we knew we wanted to invite Justin out. And so as we do that, I'm going to want to say thank you so much for being here, Justin. We're going to invite Omar to who's hosting our call. Omar will be on our panel today. So Omar Qureshi is coming out to host. So Omar, the call is thank yours. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Justin, thank you very much for showing up today. And we are very grateful to have you. Well, the first question from the panel have is uh, you just recently published a playbook for winning in the industry called Be The One. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you unpack the enemy of intentionality and talk about frameworks to defeat distraction. What principles would you invite other executives to bring into their culture to create systems where people are known to be productive and realize their goals? Yeah. So first of all, great to be on with you guys and you know, appreciate all the great work that you that you do, the value that you add. So kind of through my my journey, I've done quite a bit of work with John Maxwell. So for those of you that are familiar with him, he's Inc. Magazine says he's the world's foremost authority in leadership. He's written a hundred you know, plus books. So one of the trips we took with him was a small intimate group of us to Costa Rica to do what he calls a country transformation. So you're teaching like leadership principles, leadership values to developing countries and crazy trip, right? You're meeting with the U.S. Embassy, with the U.S. Ambassador. You're meeting for the police cadets for their graduation with 3,000 cadets. You go to the famous theater and do a black tie event with all the business people. So it's kind of this, you know, you had a FIFA, et cetera. One of the stops that we make was in a local university. And so here's John. He's, I think at the time, 74 years old, has silver hair. He's, you know, kind of in the, the latter half of his life when he's talking to a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And it's, it's a theater style seating. So that like a movie theater where the seats go up and he's on stage and he's teaching. And he has, if you've ever watched him teach, he'll sit on a stool, has like a table next to him where he has his iPad. And then next to he, the table is a guy named JV or Juan Varekin. JV is kind of the Latin American John Maxwell. He's his interpreter. So John's teaching, he's teaching to kind of do the normal thing. Then all of a sudden he just stops. <laughs> he just stops and he puts his, his hand on his chin. It leans back almost like an idea hit him. And he said, if there's only one thing I could share with you kids that would have the most impact in your life, it'd be this one thing. Well, you know, everyone kind of grabs their notebook, grabs their pen, kind of, you know, what's the one thing from this, you know, this, this uh, silver haired, you know, genius that's been doing this for 50 years. And he, he just sits there and doesn't say anything, doesn't say anything, you know, maybe five seconds or 10 seconds have passed. Then he stands up and walks to the edge of the stage and still hasn't said anything, puts his toes right on the edge and he holds his arm up like this, just kind of holds his arm straight up in the air. Still hasn't said anything. And so now another 10 seconds, you know, five seconds, and it feels like five minutes, right? 
Well, JV is watching this. No one's saying anything. So he stands up and he walks over and he puts his arm up in the air like this, you know, no one's saying anything. 20 seconds have passed, 30 seconds. And finally, one of the Costa Rican students, like an 18 year old young woman, she stands up and she puts her arm up in the air. And then another girl does it, another student, another student, another student. Anyway, the whole audience stands up, puts her arms up in the air. So John's still standing with his arm up in the air and he says this, there's only one thing I could share with you that would have the most impact in your life. It would be this one thing, live an intentional life. He said, all success is all uphill all the way. And he said, most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Mm. And he said, you don't accidentally go up hills. You only intentionally go up hills. So live an intentional life. As you're building a direct sales business, and this is true of all areas of your life, all kind of important areas, whether it's your faith, your fitness, yeah. whether it's in your finances, whether it's in you know your, your family relationships and your friendships, you want to live an intentional life because the bombardment of distraction is higher now than it's ever been in human history. And I think all of us would probably agree it's only going to continue to accelerate. That's what's called the acceleration of addictiveness. We're more addicted to our devices than any time in human history. There's a... There's studies that talk about attention atrophy. So attention atrophy is the, uh, it's the law of use. What you don't use, you lose. In other words, if you don't use your muscle because you're in a sling, you know, because mm -hmm. you've injured your arm over time, your arm will atrophy. Well, the same thing's happening with our attention, our ability to focus. And so what you want to do is you want to live an intentional life when it comes to focus, when you want to live an intentional life, when it comes to productivity, when it comes to eliminating distractions. So, you know, I wrote the book, Be the One. And one of the things I actually teach in there, because this I let me give the premise. The book is number one, you are the one, you know, if you take your parents and grandparents and great grandparents and great, great grandparents over the last 12 generations, it was 4,094 people from all over the world that came together to create you. You know, you are the one, you're the one that they lived for and bled for and cried for and died for. You're the one they gave everything for. So you'd have this moment. So success is an identity process and you'll never outperform the way you see yourself. When you realize I'm the one, my life matters. You know, my decisions have impact and influence on future generations of children that are yet unborn. You start to, you know, act a little different and play the game a little difference. The second part is not become the one it's be be is a present term. It's be the one today. And so one of the things that I teach is the frameworks and the formulas and the tactics and the strategies to actually be the one today. And a lot of that has to do with focus, getting hyper focus, building systems and strategies. So I'll give you guys a quick one just to kind of give you an idea. So what I call the five by five formula, five by five formula is your top five priorities. Uh, Jim Collins, who wrote good to great said, if you have more than five priorities, you don't have any priorities. So you got to get clear on what are my top five priorities. The second thing is your top five highest impact actions or what I call HIAs, highest impact actions that make the highest impact in those top five priorities. So I'll give, go back to John Maxwell just to illustrate the point. John's a speaker and he's an author and a speaker, but his whole ecosystem revolves around his books, the writing of his books. And so all of his speaking, all of the rest of his work revolves around this ecosystem. So he has five things he does everything, every day. There's five high impact actions he does every day to drive the writing of books, the authoring of books. For him, it's he reads thinks, files, asks questions, writes, five things. We all know what reading is. We all know what thinking is. Filing means to find quotes and stats and stories and illustrations and he'll file them away. Reads, thinks, files. He asks questions and he writes. Five things that all of us could do every day, but he's done it every day for 40 plus years. I've sat in his den at his home. He goes every morning at 5 a.m. I, you know, reading, thinking, filing, asking questions, writing. And you say, when you, John, when you say every day, what do you mean by every day? Guess what every day means? <laughs> It means every day, right? <laughs> so on Christmas, he reads and thinks and files and asks questions right. On his birthday, he reads, thinks, files, asks questions right. On the day that he doesn't feel that well, he reads, thinks, files, asks questions right. So every day, the consistency compounds. Mm -hmm. Here's the point is those five things have had him write more leadership content than any human that's ever walked on the earth. It's five things that all of us could do. And it's five things that create an ecosystem that 
there's there's a lot he has to get done, but if he does those five things with excellence every single day, he's going to you know build the business he needs to build. If he can stay focused on those, eliminate distractions. That's an example of the five by five. Find your top five highest priorities. Top, find the top five highest impact actions, and then you build teams and systems for everything else to where the work still gets done, but it's not getting done just by you. Love that, gang. If you're it's for those of you, Justin just dropped like buckets and buckets of gold nuggets here. I feel like some of you are on the floor scrambling, like grabbing this stuff. I'm just seeing some of you listen to this. I know some, many of you listen on Spotify while you're driving in the car and everything else. Quick recap here, King. This is a truth you have to share in referral marketing with your whole group, right? You're the people who are wanting to build a direct selling business. This idea that downhill habits don't create success. All success is recreating my intentionality and it's walking uphill. Like set proper expectations with your people that, hey, this yeah. thing's going to be an uphill walk today, ladies and gentlemen. Like what, what Justin just shared that is, is critical to success. How many people do we know who said, oh, it wasn't the way I thought it would be because someone didn't set proper expectations with them. Yeah. Part of leading a successful tribe and what you're hearing from Justin is, hey, set the proper expectation. It's going to take intentionality and it's going to be uphill. When Justin unpacked your five by five, I love this because it, whether that's John Maxwell's personal read things, files, ask questions, writes, you will have your own five. And so you got to pause even if you take away anything from what you're hearing today, you need to be asking, what are my five? Like from what Justin just talked about, gang, and and that is a, a framework you can teach your sales teams. It's a framework you can teach your executive team. It's a framework you can you can have in place. We've we've talked about books all the time on the podcast. Before we go to the next question, we've talked a lot about Simon Sinek start with why and and how that frames up for people, you know, a big enough why so that they stick through the challenges they're gonna face in life. We've we've shared yeah. that many times on this podcast. Omar's brought that up, we've brought that up. When Justin talked about this idea of deciding to be the one, right? Just just saying, nope, I'm going to be the one. Yeah. And hey, maybe maybe my dad didn't, maybe my mom didn't, maybe my uncle didn't, maybe my grandpa didn't. That that's a powerful decision. It's a really powerful decision. That's a that's a heart and head thing. That's not just that's just oh, I think it would be a good idea to maybe make a difference in the lineage of my family. It's like no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pay the price. I'm going to go pay. I'm going to do that. It's, it's a very powerful, powerful moment. Uh, we go to a lot of frameworks and a lot of the questions were around frameworks. So I, just as you're, as you're taking notes or you're listening, just catch, catch those ones game because that's, yeah. that's so, that's so good. Justin back to you, Omar. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you, Justin. Well, the second question is, you have applied so many new systems over the years in the companies you have led. Uh, let's talk about wins and loses there. What would you, <laughs> what would you say was your favorite rollout of a new system and why? I'll start with good ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, so, um, what, you know, I kind of have good news and bad news. The, the, the good news is great systems. So good businesses are built with good people. Great businesses are built with great systems. So when you have, think of it this way, the lower the quality of your system is the higher quality of person you need to succeed. So they better be a superstar to be able to really make it happen when there's very loose systems. On the flip side, the better the system is, the lower caliber a person can come in and succeed. You know, if you look at a McDonald's organization, you got a bunch of 16-year-old kids in there, you know, running this thing. And, and the way that that works is because the systems are so strong. And so great systems make normal people look great. Here's the bad news. Bad news. Bad news is that you're always working on your systems. <laughs> 
you're always updating them. You're always tweaking them. You're always advancing them. Uh, the world changes. The mediums for how we get access to people change with new tech, with new kind of cultural differences. There's just it's you're always advancing them. So it's it's frustrating sometimes as a as a as a leader of an organization because you like finally drag this thing across the line as the greatest thing ever, and it's the greatest thing ever for like two weeks and you're like, oh my gosh, now I got to go, you know, you're constantly revamping. So a couple of things I would share, maybe instead of sharing kind of the wins and losses of, you know, when we did it right versus didn't, here's, here's a lesson that I think you can learn. People support what they help create. And mm -hmm. so you want to get layers of buy-in as you go. So imagine this, imagine you have like the inner, inner circle. So that's like you and maybe a couple others, and then you roll it into the inner circle, right? So the inner circle, and you can do it in pencil. And what I mean by that is you don't go to them and say, guys, here's what we're doing. This is how it works. Here's how, no, no, no. You go to them and ask a lot of questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? How would this work? And you're, you're, you're not doing it just out of a step that you're doing just as a step. You're literally listening because yeah, ideas lead to ideas. So in other words, some of the best ideas that you'll come up with are not your original idea. Sometimes bad ideas, I tell people there's no bad ideas. There's either good ideas or there's ideas that lead to ideas because ideas can chum the water for, for to attract better ideas. So you go to them and say, hey, well, here's the problems that we're seeing. What are the problems that you're seeing? Let, let them tell you, okay, got it, got it. Those are problems you're seeing, got it. And here's some of the ones we've identified too. Do you see that? Yeah, I see that. Okay, got it. Let me ask you this. What if we did this, this? How would you solve that? And they start getting ideas. And I understand that sometimes when you're, particularly when you're working with a field leadership, sometimes their ideas can be kind of all over and maybe it's not realistic. I understand, but just let them, let them get it out, you know, get it off their chest. In fact, if you don't, what happens is they're listening to your ideas, but the whole time they're like, I want to tell you about my idea, you know? So just let them get it out off their chest and then say, what if we tried this? What's your guys' thoughts on this and this? Once you get the buy-in of that inner circle team, then you take it to maybe your top leaders, get the buy-in, same general process. Then you're maybe your leadership team, then your middle-class team, and then down through the whole company. What happens is people support what they help create. People also defend what they help create. So if someone comes to them like, this is stupid, I don't really even like it. They have ammo. They can then say, well, I understand what you're saying, but here's the thing. Here's how we got to the point. And here's here's the challenges we were looking to face. We go, oh, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. Same thing with all your rollouts. You start with your inner, you know, your leadership team and then roll out. One of the biggest mistakes that we make is we just like, Think of ideas, execute ideas. By the way, you guys know how hard execution is. It's hard. Ideas are easy. Execution's hard. So we work so hard to execute and then just boom, like ta-da. This is not a ta-da business. Like Apple used to do ta-da moments with iPhones and iPads and so on. We're not Apple. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do a ta-da moment on your field. You want to have your leadership team. They, they'll support what they help create. They'll defend what they help create. And so you don't want to do big ta-da moments as a company. You want to you roll it out through trusted leadership teams. Yeah, I, and what's so amazing about what Justin's talking about, we, we actually had if you if you're watching this episode for the first time we interviewed Kylie from Pampered Chef and Venice Breva when they talked about their rollouts of their table platform that they developed years ago to during covid to still do parties at Pampered Chef and if you are hearing Justin's framework today I'd invite you to go check out what Kylie shared as well because even from her perspective in field leadership she shared the exact same thing the whole reason they were able to shift in the middle of COVID and get the field moving the way it needed to for Pampered Chef was the exact same way of what Justin's saying. They didn't just say, da, 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 here's how we're doing parties. And everyone's like, whoa. No, they literally rolled out each of those five levels. And this is something you can hear from it. You wonder why people get confused many times. And we see this line all the time in direct sales that a confused mind does nothing, right? Yeah. And we all say this because it's, it's true. 
And so you want to take this to heart and it's the tact. I hope you heard it the way Justin modeled it here because he did it perfectly. You're not just going there because it's like, check, met with the core leadership team. Check, met with the rank three leaders. No, it's actually listening and addressing those questions because if you don't address them now, they're going to just be that stale, unaddressed, moldy thing later when you roll it out. You know, Ben, I want to I want to add one thing to what yeah. you're saying because I think this will this will help us. This was a mis- this goes back to Omar's question, a mistake yeah. I made. Sure, there was times where we had done. When I say we, we kind of core inner circle team, maybe even some of the inner circle, maybe even some of the key leaders. We had done all the work. We'd asked all the questions. We had pressed against it. We would, you know, and, and at some point you do have to get stuff done. Like at some point there is some timelines of, of making sure. it happen. And so I remember when we would go to the leadership team to, before we went to the whole company, we'd go to like kind of the next level of leadership team. I remember on the Zooms or on the chats, I could see him in the thing. Well, what about this? What about that? I don't really like this. I don't like that. Instead of me listening, I would get a little frustrated. I'd just be like, oh my gosh, guys, we've already addressed that. Guys, we've already addressed this. Guys, we've got to get something done like you guys have been begging us for stuff and so we finally do something you don't like it so anyway you, i'd kind of get i'd kind of get a little bit frustrated <laughs> listen the older i got in my leadership journey i don't look at that as frustration anymore what i do now is i'll calm down and just listen and just listen because here's the thing the field is like a it's like a tuning fork it's like when you go ding it's like a tuning fork you know like are you on tune mm-hmm. if the if your middle if you're like top or middle class leaders are asking these questions the little guy's going to ask the exact same questions. So you might as well address them now, hit them head on now, be very sensitive to the questions. They're like, huh, okay, that's how, when I roll this out to you, that's the first question you ask. Interesting. So what am I doing in my rollout that's making you ask that question? Because we've actually solved that problem. So maybe we we should address it from this angle versus hitting it head on. Okay, got it. So you're listening, you're listening. As you roll it out, you're listening as a tuning fork for what are they saying? What are their biggest concerns? What are their biggest objections? What are their biggest fears? And so I'm listening to it as I roll it out. So in other words, I'm not just trying to roll it out to, in other words, to convince them this is the right thing. I'm saying, yeah. here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're thinking. And if they press against it, I don't try and double down and convince. I go, that's an interesting question. What, tell me why you feel that way. Because maybe I've already solved that issue, but I need to hear why they're saying that. They say, well, you you said this, this. Oh, cool. So if I would have told you this, you'd been cool. Yeah, I'd have been fine if you told me that. Cool. I better add that to my to my rollout presentation, right? So you're listening and understanding versus getting kind of defensive and defending it and saying, no, this is right, guys. You, we know better than you. Man, I listen to those. Even the whiner complainer leaders, I still listen because down in the depths of the group, you'll have the whiner complainers. Yeah you know, small person, yep. you know, you know, meaning newer rank, you know, yeah. uh, in your organization that says, I don't like it. Cool. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's alleviate some of that going in. What's so perfect about what Justin just shared. We do this many times when it's the sales organization doing a sales demo on our opportunities, you know, we'll say, Hey, in the presentation, make sure we preempt the objections that'll come up. You know? So we know it's always money, time, knowledge, fear, right? We, we've talked about this for decades right? in this space. It's like, Hey, when you do a presentation, make sure you pre-handle the four core objections of time, money, knowledge, fear with your business opportunity. So that when you come to have people make a decision, you've already pre-handled those so that they can just make a decision and go. Don't forget that in your internal communications, in your internal rollouts, in your internal programs, the same approach many of you take who are listening to this session when you're saying, oh yeah, I would would do my deck that way when I'm actually talking to consumers outside of our community and inviting them in. Yeah, you have to do that with your volunteer army as well the whole time. And, And it's just remembering that. It's remembering that we get frustrated with the field when we forget who they are. We get frustrated with the field when we forget who they are. They're volunteers, not your employees. And even happy employees, they're volunteering 
to trade their time for what you're bringing them in their life. And so you got to hear it, gang. We skip over that and we miss out. We miss out on the impact that you could have had with all that hard work and planning and execution when we rush that part. It's awesome, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, both, uh, both of you. Uh, great insight it was. Uh, I've got another question for you. What pitfalls have you faced in duplicating systems to others that you would encourage our executive teams to avoid? Mm. Oh, I mean, so many. So here's one thing I would share with you. Everyone's on what I call a need to know basis. And so if it's not necessary for them to know, it's not necessary for it's necessary for them not to know. If it's not necessary to for you to say, it's necessary for you not to say. So mm-hmm. when you're building your systems, a lot of it is actually more, it's paring them down. It's simplifying. So before you add five new things, see if you can pare down six. So you've actually, the overall net is more simple. So when a mom's raising a child, a mom will tell her eight 18 year old different things than she'll tell her eight year old because it's it's the eight year old doesn't need to know these things right now. And so if it's not necessary for her eight year old to know, well, it's necessary for them not to know yet. When she's raising a 28 year old, she might tell a 28 year old things different than she would tell her 18 year old. Why? Because her 28 year old, it's necessary for them to know. So she's going to tell them the 18 year old doesn't need to know all this yet. So it's not necessary for them to know. Well, if it's not necessary for them to know, it's necessary for them not to know because speed, success loves speed, speed loves simplicity. You're looking to make things more simple, not more complex. An, an idiot can make things more complex. It takes a true genius to make things more simple. And so as you're building your systems, you want to consistently lean. So when you come up to these moments of like, do we go right? Do we go left? You know, do we press this way? Do we press that way? You always lean towards simplicity. You always lean towards if it's not necessary for them to know that right now, it's necessary for them not to know it. In other words, we don't try and tell them everything. One of the challenges we have in our art, particularly like, for example, an onboarding system, you know so much about your business and you like eat it, sleep it, drink it, breathe it, love it, defend it, support it, you know, just everything that we try and put too much into that onboarding system. The real three questions that you want to ask yourself is this. Question number one is, what do they need to know? So again, if it, what do they need to know? They're on a need-to-know basis. If it's not necessary for them to know this, it's necessary for them not to know it yet. We can teach it later. What do they need to know to get their first customer? In the business I built, they would have a 300% increase in retention if they had one customer. So the most important dollar they'll ever make in their whole career is dollar number one. This is true across all of our platforms, right? Dollar number one. All right, second question. What do they need to know to then get them to their first rank? And so it goes first sell, first rank. These are the two most important steps. And then at least step number three, what do they need to know Once they have, by the way, there's really two ways to think about this. There's two tracks. What do they need to know and what do they need to do? Because there's really two tracks. There's some things you need to know and there's some things you need to do. Maybe you need to download the app. Maybe you need to log into your back office. Maybe you need to, you know, reach out to your upline, whatever it is. There's some things I need you to do, but there's some things I need you to know. I need you to know a couple things, right? Maybe some compliance stuff or maybe some scripting stuff or whatever. Okay. So I'm running on two tracks. What do you need to know? What do you need to do to get first sale? Once we've gotten you to that point, what do you need to know and what do you need to do to get you to first rank. Once we got you to that point, what do you need to know and what do you need to do to get you to core rank? So each company will have a different kind of core rank in your compensation plan. Where are we starting to unlock the compensation plan? And because there's destination ranks and there's pass-through ranks, right? So a destination rank would be, man, if you can make it to diamond, 
It's a big deal because we put a we put a good little chunk of cash at Diamond. It's a good thing mm -hmm. in the comp plan. A, a passer rank would be one that's like you got to kind of pass through Ruby to get to Diamond. Now Ruby, it's not bad, but it's you know it's a, it's little. But man, when you get to Diamond, then it's significant. There's some bonuses there that make it significant. So what is the core rank we're trying to run them through? What's that first destination rank? That first core rank we're trying to get them to? So you go first sell, first rank, core rank, and then that creates your duplication. So what do you need yeah. to know? What do you need to do to get them to first sell, first rank, core rank? If it's not necessary for them to know. And if it's not necessary for them to do, then it's necessary for them not to know it, not to do it at this point. Now, for us to get them to double diamond or triple diamond or whatever the case might be, depending on the names of the comp plan bonuses, then we they need to know and do some more things. <laughs> you know, I get yeah. it. What You know, the 18-year-old needs to do more than the 8-year-old and the 28-year-old needs to know some more stuff and do some more stuff than the 18-year-old. I get it. But they don't need to know all that stuff day one. So simplicity, success loves speed and speed loves simplicity. So be looking to pare it down versus to ratchet it all up and make all of the new bells and whistles on it. The concept Justin just unpacked for us, if you want to get on YouTube, it's called Alchem's Razor. Okay. The, the idea of Alchem's Razor is that a system's not perfect when everything that could possibly be added to it is added to it. A system is perfect when it accomplishes the goal with the least amount of resources required. And so that that is simplicity today. When you talked about how any fool can overcomplicate something, it takes a genius to keep it simple. The principles of Alchem's Razor is something you you got to dig into as a leader. And whatever you do to remind yourself of, am I living out Alchem's Razor? Maybe it's a, a stinking post-it note that's sitting next to your laptop or your external monitor. I don't, or it's a, it's a notification on your phone that goes off at noon each day that says, "Did I practice Alchem's Razor as a, a, a leader?" You you need those in your life. Because we do, we fall into a trap of overcomplicating simple stuff. You know, what Justin just talked about, about first sale, first rank, core rank. If you even rewind just, just a few episodes back on this season, we had uh, Tom, Tom Schreider, uh, Big Al Tom Schreider, talk about how we spend so much time right? Working on all these parts of our sales process and our training process and our, and all the different parts of our presentation. And yet the most important thing is what our people do in the first 15 seconds when they interact with somebody. And if we could just get that part right first, if we could just get that part right first, yeah, we can get the rest later. Double down on that thought from what you're hearing from Justin, because these are principles, gang, that will make a difference in your life. Like what he's talking about here today is, is, the, is the meat and potatoes because we get lost in overcomplicating it. We do it ourselves. You know, we published a report before we wrap the last question. We published a report back in January of this year when people were asking, hey, why do some companies in direct sales go virally? Why do others not? And it came down to a leadership framework. It came down to how we make decisions as leaders. That's what it came down to. 140 companies were, were sitting here saying, who grows virally and who doesn't? Well, how do the leaders make decisions? Right? And that's been something we've shared here in the DSEF. If you haven't read that yet, go, go get a copy because overcomplicating our systems is what kills duplication. It's us. <laughs> you got to hear that. And so, so thank you, Justin, for that thought. It's just perfect. Thank, thank you, Omar. Yeah. Last question is, if you could leave our listeners with one thought to keep in mind as they plan for the next year, what would you share? Yeah, I mean, look, it would be three words. It'd be be the one. So be the one is recognize who you really are. Ben talked about this earlier, this power of decision. And you kind of make the decision to be the one. So the word decision is a Latin word. It comes from the root. A decision meant to cut. The D meant off. So an incision cut in, a decision cut off. So you come up to a moment of your life, you make a decision to go right, you cut off all possibilities of going left. And every decision you've ever made your whole life, every single one has put you on this podcast listening right now, like you made an appointment to be here and you've never been this old before. You'll never be this young again. And you can't always control what happens, but you can control what happens next. 
because you can make a decision to be the one, be the one that creates and designs and lives an unforgettable life. You know, you live a life of intention. You live a life with values and principles. Like you live a life that goes and makes things happen. So that would be my, you know, kind of final thought here is go be the one, go be the one that you were born to be, go be the one that steps up and lives a significant life and go be the one that future generations of kids who are yet unborn look up in their family lineage and they say it was her, it was him. She's the one. You know, he's the one that broke the chains of addiction in our family or of abuse, or they're the ones that created the financial freedom in our family. It was my great, great grandma or my great, great grandpa. And they're telling your story. Amen. Man, live a life Amen. worth living. Just, it's just a total treat to have you just come out and speak today. Thank you so much for sharing with our forum. For those of you that, that, and Omar, thank you so much for hosting. For, for those of you that have not had a chance yet to read Justin's book, Be the One, this is one of those ones you want to plug into your, if you're doing monthly book club with your reps, I know many of you do that, and you have your book of the month, go read it, get it in your calendar for book of the month. Like I know half of the folks that are on here do that type of stuff. If you're not doing book of the month and you're not helping your reps grow their minds, great content. You got to take a look at that because you should be. It makes a big difference when you can, as a community, go through content together. You know, Omar and myself and the 65 staff at our company, we read, we actually do audiobooks together every single day yeah. and share our notes with each other. And we have a 15 minute a day minimum. It's just part of what we do as a team. And it's been life-changing in our world. And so if you haven't yet plugged in to be the one to do that, definitely take that on. And then for any of the resources on Justin, it's, it's uh, justinprince.com, right? Yeah. So I am justinprince.com. And then uh, I am Justin Prince on Instagram or I am Justin or Justin Prince all throughout social. So if I can add value or support you guys, I would certainly be happy to. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today, Justin. Total treat. Thank you for being on the session for the DSEF. If you look for more episodes, more access, join the Direct Selling Executives Forum on LinkedIn or subscribe on Spotify. Have an amazing day today, team. And thank you to be the one. We'll see you then. If you haven't yet joined the DSEF group on LinkedIn, go to directsellingexecutiveforum.com or go on LinkedIn and search for Direct Selling Executive Forum to apply. The group is free and is an invite-only community of direct selling executives by direct selling executives. <music>